Now, I just have to say, we're in the middle of a series called Generous, and uh, I have to just brag on our volunteers here, uh, the people that set up and tear down, the people that run the lights and sound. They are very generous with their time, and they are very good at what they do. Uh, they got us back up and running, power. Uh, you know, sometimes stuff happens, and it is great to have a solid core of volunteers that you know it, that the kids are safe. I didn't hear any kids screaming in there when the power went out, which means they were doing a great job. So, Please, if you see one of our volunteers, somebody that you know is serving, just, just make sure you tell them thank you for being generous with their time, their talents, and their treasure. And this morning, uh, we're getting to uh, the, the end of the series. Next week, we'll have a wrap-up, but this is really the last message in the series on generous. And we've talked about being generous with our, with our talents uh, with last week, with our spiritual gifts, right? And all that God has created us to be, and using that to serve not just the church, but to grow God's kingdom, to be a witness to the world around us. Um, we've talked about serving God with our time, how we honor God by investing in people far from God, people who are in need of hearing uh, the good news of Jesus Christ for the first time and, and being called to respond to that. We've talked about how we were generous with our justice Right, that we, we look out for, for those who are in need, the orphans and the widows and the poor. And we talked about how sometimes uh, we, we think of those groups and we forget that there are orphans, widows, and poor among us. Right? We talked about the, the, uh, the orphans nowadays are, are usually the, the kids whose, whose dads or mom uh, may not have time to spend with them. Right? So functionally, they're, they're living as, as an orphan or the widow may not may not have lost her husband through death, but it may be the single mom, and we ought to be aware of those and be taking care of those. And, and the first one we talked about was uh, money, was our treasure, right? And we talked about how we want to honor God with that. We want to give back to God. And one of the things that we've said all along, and you're going to remember this, hopefully if you've been with us, you remember that we've said that generosity is something that God wants for us and not from us. Generosity is something that God wants for us and not from us. When Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, he really meant that. He really meant that. And it's not just something that we say at Christmas time. It's not something that we just write on a Hallmark card. But Jesus truly meant that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we've talked about how it took the generous hands of Jesus Christ being nailed down on that cross to provide our salvation. And if we're going to experience that that gift of salvation in the here and now. We know that faith in Jesus means that we have eternity to look forward to, but God also has an abundant life that he wants us to experience here and now. And if we're going to experience that the way God wants us to experience it, it means that we're going to have to have generous hands. We're going to have to be generous with our time, talents, treasure, justice, and today, our testimony. And let me tell you, as we get to this, what we're going to see is that all of those things that we've talked about have been building up and are going to lend credibility to our testimony. So I want us to, to first uh, uh, dive into 1 Thessalonians. If you'll open up with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to look at, at a couple verses in chapter 1 and then a couple verses in verse 2 that really paint a picture of what it looks like to have a generous testimony. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of background because we're not doing a whole study on the book of Thessalonians. Um, you first read about the Thessalonian church in the book of Acts chapter 17. Paul is on one of his missionary journeys, and he comes to a town called Thessalonica. And 
at first glance, when you read that passage in Acts 17, you think, oh, well, Paul was only there for a short amount of time, and he, couldn't have, he must have done ministry kind of at a distance, because what you read is it just says that Paul reasoned in the synagogue on three Sabbaths. And some people read that, and they're like, well, he must have been there only three weeks. But what we see when we look at these verses is we see a time investment that Paul made, not just in these verses, but we can look at other passages that really indicate that, that Paul was there for a little bit longer. We know that he received two gifts from the Philippians church while he was there, which would, which would mean that he was there for a little bit longer. And then we'll, we'll see a little bit later um, in verse 9, he talks about how they worked and they toiled while they were there. Um, that's not something that you really see over just three weeks. So Paul had made a time investment in this Thessalonican church, and he's writing them, writing to them to encourage them. And this is what he says, beginning in verse 4. He says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that God has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with what? Not simply with words, but also with power, with the, and with deep You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Now skip over to chapter 2, starting in verse 7. He says, We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her children. We loved you so much, and we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. That is a beautiful picture of what it means to have a generous testimony. And the first thing that I want us to see about our testimony as we talk about this is that we have to recognize that our story, our testimony, is really his story. Right? Our story is really his story. And we see that very clearly in verse 4 of chapter 1. Paul says, those loved by God that he has chosen you. Now, I don't want us to get hung up on, on election and free will and all that stuff. And, and I'll just tell you this. When you look at scripture, we see that, that God has divinely elected us. He has chosen us. But we have the responsibility to respond in faith. And don't ask me. I could spend my entire life studying this. I could never explain it. Um, I just, they're both there, and we have to trust that God knows how it works out, right? Um, But God has chosen us, but we respond in faith. And what we know is that this is a powerful act of God. Our salvation is an act of God. So when we talk about our testimony, what is a testimony? A testimony is simply a statement by a witness, right? Someone who's, uh, and I actually went and I wanted to see what is the dictionary definition of a witness. And this is what it says. A witness is someone who has seen heard, or knows by personal presence and perception. A witness giving testimony is simply telling what they've experienced, what they've seen, what they heard, and what they know. So when we talk about our testimony, when we talk about our story is really God's story, what we're saying is that we have the responsibility of just telling other people how God has brought life change to us. Our vision as River Rock Bible Church is to go into our community and allow every man woman, and child, repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? We want to let them see, hear, and call them to respond to the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. Those are important steps, and this is exactly what we see in Paul's testimony, that he didn't just go and preach words at these people. He allowed them to see and hear how God had changed his life. He lived out a testimony before them. But don't be confused. Paul didn't just go and live out a good life before them and never proclaim the gospel. He married those two things together closely. 
And I want to remind us, it's, it, there are a lot of people out there who say, man, as long as I live a good life, as long as I do the right things, then, then people will ask me, why am I different? And sometimes that's true. It might happen. But we're called to do both. We're called to live out a testimony, and we're called to proclaim the truth. We want people to see and hear. Romans 10 tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the spoken word of God. So we've got to have both of those. We've got to be doing both of those together. Uh, Paul says again that, that you are chosen by God. And this just tells us that our salvation is a supernatural work of God. It's a supernatural thing. And he clarifies that because it, it happened through power. Right? Go back to verses 5 and 6. He says, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power. Who's that power? That power was God. That power was the powerful message of Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was buried, and on the third day rose again so that our sins could be forgiven. What else does it say? It came with the Holy Spirit. That means when Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to us so that we would be able to to experience God's presence and be able to live out uh, the abundant life that God has called us to. And it's also that Holy Spirit that c- convicts us of our sin, which is what he says next. He says that it came to you with deep conviction. They didn't just believe it as in, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus guy lived. No, they had a deep conviction that what Paul was saying was true. Why did they have such a conviction? Because they had seen Paul's life had been changed. Many people knew who Paul was before he came to know Jesus Christ. They knew that he had persecuted the church and even approved of people being stoned to death because they believed in Jesus Christ. That word about Paul had spread around, but now they see a man who is on fire for God and living, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And they saw and they witnessed his life day after day in the marketplace and in the synagogues and in his home they saw that he was living out his testimony, a changed life to God. And we talk about life change here at River Rock Bible Church. And when we talk about life change, what we mean is, first, the life change that comes at salvation. The moment you place your trust in Jesus Christ, your life is forever changed. But there's another life change that God wants you to experience, and that's the life change of transformation. I've talked about the abundant life, but that life change of transformation is simply a submission of your will to God's. When you say, God, I'm no longer going no to live for myself. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live generously for your name and for your kingdom, that all that I am and all that I have would be used to grow your kingdom, God. That more and more people would hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, how many of you got my email this week? And I, I sent out a little form that that we used, uh, when we started back in January, there was a, uh, f- about eight families that got together and uh, we said, you know what, we're going to pray about planning a church. We're going to pray for the lost here in Georgetown. We want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to see if God raises up a church out of that. And so we started getting together praying and we started wondering what, what does it look like for us to, to be a living testimony to the world around us and to how do we go into their lives and proclaim the good news, not just live a good life around them, but proclaim the good news to them. And one of the first things we did as a team is we went through that little worksheet called Tell Your Story. And it walks you through how to tell your testimony in under two minutes. 
And if you have never done that, um, if you've never sat down and written out your testimony and thought through how I might be able to give this in two minutes, because take it from a person who, who speaks for a living, uh, people don't want to listen to you for a long time, right? Uh, I, try, I try my hardest. Yeah, thanks, Todd, for the amen there. I try my hardest to keep, keep the sermons um, on, on task and on time because I know that people don't have that long attention span. And so we don't have a lot of time to get our story out there. People don't want to listen to a long story. But if you can very simply tell your story in just two minutes, then people will listen. And it's very simple. Uh, one of the things that we do is we, we ask three questions. And you may want to write these down. We want to ask people, who are you? Just who are you? Tell me where you grew up. And usually after they finish telling you their story, what are they going to ask you? Who are you? Where did you grow up? Tell me about yourself. And this is where we have the perfect opportunity to share our testimony. I'm going to come back to that. The second question we want to ask is, where are you spiritually? We're trying to figure out, what, you know what? Where is this person spiritually? Do they know Jesus as their Savior? Or do they go to church? Or do they have an aversion to the church? Do they have they had a bad experience? And then we want to come alongside them and say, you know what? How can I help them take a next step in their walk with God? How can I come alongside them and encourage them to grow closer in relationship with God? That I could be praying for them that they may come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior as well. But let's go back to that first question, who are you? So you've asked them, you've got neighbors over for dinner and you say, just tell me about yourself. What do you do? Where'd you grow up? What was your family like? And they begin asking you that question. And if you've prepared your testimony to be able to give it in two minutes or less, um, sometimes less is better, it may go something like this. Uh, you know, I grew up in Houston, and when I, I'm, I'm the youngest of three, and my parents were very involved at the church. My dad was a volunteer uh, minister of music at the church and was a deacon, and my mom served faithfully in the church. So I grew up in church every time the doors were open. There was no time that the doors were open that we were not at church. Uh, not only that, but my parents, uh, you know, were always reading the Bible to me and things like that. And, you know, something happened to me when I was really young. I used to think that, that I was a, a good kid, and that's all that it took to make God happy was just to be good. And uh, there came a day when I realized that being good wasn't good enough. Because I, I, I had heard the stories from the Bible, and I realized that um, I had done things in my life that God calls sin, because we all have. The Bible tells us that everybody has sinned. And I knew that that sin meant that I was separated from God, that I could not have a relationship with him, but that God loved me so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Even though I was a sinner, Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead so that my sins could be forgiven. And I knew that all I needed to do was put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I could have a relationship with God. And that has changed the way that I think about my life ever since. I put my trust in Christ when I was young, and it changed um, what I do for a living. It changed my mind about where I wanted to go to school and even the person that I would marry. All of this happened because of what God has done. And I believe God's brought me here into your life as well. And then you can go on, and you can gloss over it real quick. Did anybody time me? Was that under two minutes? Anybody? No? All right, we'll have to check the, the recording. All right, I got a thumbs up. I was under two minutes. So it's very simple, very unintimidating, and you, everybody's story is unique. In fact, this last week, I was, I was meeting with a friend for lunch, and, and uh, she said, uh, she was over at our house with my wife, and our kids were playing, and she said, you know, let me ask you, I can't remember a day or a time or anything, and, and does that matter? 
And this is what I told her. This is an illustration that I love to use. Um, let's pretend that we're on a road trip to Oklahoma. That's, that's pretty far. And I'm driving. You're in the passenger seat next to me. And if you're anything like me, you're going to fall asleep. So you're asleep. And you wake up and say, where are we? And I say, well, we're in Tulsa. So all you know at that point is that you're in Oklahoma, but you have no clue when we cross that line, when we cross the state line. When did we cross from Texas into Oklahoma? And for some people, that's the way it is. They take so many next steps in their walk with God, they eventually come to a point where they look back and they say, you know what, I, tr- I, I believe that Jesus is my Savior. I've put my trust in him as my Savior. I don't know when it happened. It happened somewhere along the way, but there was a point when I came to faith in Jesus. And that's why we love to talk about next steps. Um, because you're, someone's next step may not be to go from, I'm a hardcore atheist and I don't want to have anything to do with God, to all of a sudden, I put my trust in Jesus. Usually there are smaller steps that take place. And so our testimony, our living out of the gospel, allowing them to see changed lives, what the power of God can do, that, that our testimony would come to them with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction when we do proclaim the words of Jesus Christ to them, when we proclaim the good news that Christ has died for our sins and rose from the dead, that they would have looked at a life, they would have witnessed a life, and say, you know what, that makes sense. Those things match up. What you're living and what you're saying match up. That's the next thing I want us to say is, is this, that being generous with your time, your talents, and your treasure, and your justice, lay the groundwork for your testimony. Look back at verses 7 and 8 of chapter 2. He says, We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. So what he's saying is that, that we shared our lives with you, and as we shared our life with you, as you saw us being generous with our time, as you saw us being generous with our talents, as you saw us being generous with our money, as you saw us being generous in our justice, the way that we treated people, that lended credibility to our testimony. That made the gospel believable, right? That made it more believable to us. And nothing allows our gospel to be more believable uh, than living out a generous lifestyle, Right? If you're not generous with your lifestyle and you go to someone and proclaim to them a generous God who died for their sins and they look and something's not right, they're going to look at you like you've got a third eyeball sticking in your forehead. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. What you're living and what you're saying don't match up. Why would I want to be a part of something when you're, when you're living like Oscar the Grouch all the time? We've got to have our testimony that we live and the testimony that we speak from the Scripture match up. A couple verses that I love are Matthew 5, 16. Jesus reminds his disciples that we would live in such a way, that we would be the light of the world, that we would live in such a way that people would see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven, right? Not see our good works and give glory to you, but give, see our good works, see our good deeds, and give glory to our Father in heaven. First Peter um, chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Live such good lives among the pagans, among people that don't believe in God, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. What's, what's Peter saying there? Again, he's saying, live your life in such a way so that when you have the opportunity, as you proclaim the gospel to them, and it becomes clear, that God would visit them and become even more clear to them, that they would choose to place their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. And the second thing that I want, I want to talk about here is this, that 
it's important how we live because new believers, when they first trust Christ, they often look to the other believers around them to know how to behave, to know what their life should look like. And we see that back in chapter 1, verse, verse 6. He says, you became imitators of us and the Lord, right? 1 Corinthians 11 one says this. Paul says this. He says, follow my example even as I follow the example of Christ. So what kind of example is your testimony setting? Is it setting an example that lines up with the word of God, that demonstrates someone whose life has been changed because you've experienced the forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus Christ? Does your testimony line up? Does it match up? One of the last things I want to say is this, that we want to allow others to see and hear how God has brought life change to you through relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, again, going back to our purpose, our vision statement, that we want to go into our community and allow every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. We want the people around us to see it and to hear it. Remember, both of those pieces have to be there. Both of those pieces are important. Can God certainly use our lifestyle to draw someone closer to himself? Absolutely. Can God use someone knocking on your door saying, can I tell you about Jesus, to bring someone to faith? Absolutely. But when those two things are paired up and they match and they're together, it is so powerful, right? This is what we see, Paul's example. That's why when Paul went on missionary journeys, he would try to stay as long as possible in each city so that people could not only hear the gospel, but they could see it. I've, I've got a friend of mine that I'd like to bring up now, uh, Devin. Devin Bush is uh, one of our members here at River Rock Bible Church, and I've asked her if she would give a little bit of her testimony this morning as a part of generous testimony. And she's a little bit anxious about speaking in front of people, but I know she's going to do a great job. She's just going to talk to me, so there's nobody, nobody else here, just me and you. Um, so Devin, tell us, you're in nursing school right now. Yes. How's that going? Is it stressful at all? Um, it is really stressful, but it's gotten a lot better. I'm actually about to finish my second um, semester of eight weeks, um, and it's really been through God that it's gotten better. Um, I'm not the smartest student. I don't have the best studying habits, but because I put God first, I've actually been able to succeed um, in nursing school, and I'm now one of the top students in my class. So, yeah, give her a hand. She's doing great. Um, so tell us, what are some of the things that you do to relieve that stress, to lean on God and relieve that stress and anxiety? Um, I pray a lot. And <laughs> when I'm not praying, then I'm just trying to think and meditate over um, some of the scriptures that I've learned. And um, the first eight weeks were really hard. We lost um, 13 out of um, 29 of us. Ten of them failed out. And the three of them just dropped out. So that's when I kind of had a reality check that I needed to not just be praying for myself, but also be praying for everybody else in my class because they might not know Christ, but they also need prayer to get through it. So, and that actually changed your whole demeanor um, as far as um, the way you were acting in class and before exams. And did anybody notice that? 
Yeah, there was actually um, on our last checkoff that we had a few weeks ago, um, this girl, Brenda, she came up to me and she asked me how I was so calm and how I never was nervous. And I told her it was because I had prayed before going to the checkoffs and she asked me if I would pray for her. So I had the opportunity to pray for her and two other girls that were in the class um, before they had their checkoff. And I got a text message throughout the day saying that they had not only passed their checkoff, but it was the calmest that they had ever felt and that they were wondering if um, I could pray with them again some other time. And then, (laughs) so word got out um, in our class that um, there's another girl that I pray with. Her name's Dawn. She goes to Hill Country in Pflugerville. um, That her and I were meeting before classes and before clinicals at North Austin Medical Center, and we were praying for... um, not just like our class, but the teachers and the doctors and our patients. And um, just people kept asking if, you know, if they could be included in it. So I just sent a text to all of the six girls that are remaining in my clinical. Um, and we all met Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock, and we prayed for each other, and we prayed for our patients. And of those six, only three of them are Christians, and the others have no religious preference at all. And you've been through many, many years of seminary training to get to this point, right? Tons. <laughs> none. 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 So, Devin, thank you so much. I just want to pray for Devin real quick. She is a living testimony. Um, she has not only been living out her faith in front of her friends at, at, in class, uh, but she has been faithful in proclaiming God's word at every opportunity. So I just want to pray for her and the, the people in her class that God would continue to use that. Will you pray with me? God, I pray that you would be with Devin as she continues to go to school, that you would honor her efforts and her study, and that you would honor her efforts in being a witness for you and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. We look forward to the day um, that some of those girls will, will come to the realization of their need for Jesus Christ as their Savior, that we could celebrate that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Devin. It is always exciting when we have a story of life change that matches up with the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're able to to demonstrate that to the world around us. One of the things that I I love is that, um, you know, Paul in verse 7, he talks about a mother caring for its child. We came to you as a mother caring for its child. And to me, this is the perfect picture of generosity. I mean, what is more generous? The actual picture there is of a nursing mother. Now, I don't know if you know this. My wife and I have triplets. Um, and so we know that the first few months of parenthood, of motherhood, um, that baby does not give you anything. Um, well, it might, but it's not anything that you want. Uh, someone described it to me this way. They said, you stuff it in one end and you scrape it off the other. Uh, and that just really describes the first couple months of, of motherhood. And the mother is doing everything she can to take care of this nursing child. She's gentle with the child. She's giving. Someone, someone else said this, that the first few months of parenthood can be described as this, give, give, give. If we're going to have a generous testimony, we have to be willing to give, give, give. We've got to be willing to give of our time, treasure, talents, and testimony. We have to be willing to give of, our, of the grace that God has given us And we have to be willing to give, again, the good news of Jesus Christ at every opportunity. One of the ways that we do that is this. Um, I have a little acronym here 
called Bless. This is a real simple way. A couple weeks ago when we talked about spending time with our neighbors, we said that we want to eat, pray, serve. Very simple. This is just going to expand on that a little bit more. If you're anything like me, you like a lot of detail. Uh, And this is going to help you a little bit. So the first thing is uh, pray, eat, serve. But we're talking about bless. B-L-E-S-S. All right? So you begin with prayer. You just begin praying for the people that God has placed around you. Wherever you live, work, and play. Uh, If you have neighbors, this is a great tool to just go out and get to know the names of your neighbors. And then you can write their names on your refrigerator and be praying for them. Every time you look at your refrigerator, which if you go to, for me, is you open that midnight, you know, all times of the day. You're opening that refrigerator, getting little snacks out. Um, You just see their name and you pray for them. If you're at work and you have a cubicle, uh, you can just stick this up on your office wall and be praying for the eight closest people around you at work. If they see it and just say, and they're like, why is my name on your refrigerator? That's kind of weird, man. Then you can just say, hey, I just pray for you. Is there anything I can be praying about? Just begin with prayer. God, would you allow me the opportunity to be a testimony to my neighbor? The next is listen. Listen. This goes back to those three questions. Just listen. Who are you? And listen. Next one is very simple. We all have to do it at least three times a day. Eat. Eat. This is my favorite one. Favorite step. Uh, We just had a block party with our neighbors. We cooked out a bunch of hot dogs. We invited them over, and we had a great time getting to know our neighbors as we eat. Just invite them over. Would you like to come over for dinner? We're having pizza on Friday night. We're having a pancake dinner on Sunday night. Why don't you come over and have dinner with us? That's a great time to get to know people. The next is is serve them. Find a way to serve them. Something that you can do is, is there a need that they need met? Or maybe their service... Your service to them is just simply, we made a dozen cookies and wanted to give them to you. Just find a way to serve them. And last is share. Take the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and here's what I want to say about all of this. Um, this is powerful enough. It's very powerful when we do it as individuals. But just like we saw last week about the impact that we can have for God's kingdom when we're all working together as the body of Jesus Christ, this is even more powerful when we have a body of believers working together to be a testimony. I don't know if you you noticed this, but in Devin's testimony, she mentioned another girl, doesn't go to the same church, but another girl who's a believer, that they're both living out their testimony to the rest of their class, right? We don't have to be at the same church to be a part of the body of Christ. We need, we're only believers in Jesus Christ. So let me, let me encourage you in this. Um, if you have your connection card, go ahead and grab your connection card. Would you everybody take it out and wave it around? Uh, if you live here in town, I know some of you are visiting from out of town, but if you live here in Georgetown, check that box that says, I, wanna, I want more information about being a part of a community group. Because this is where we come together as a community group. We want, to, uh, we want to encourage each other that, that we can um, connect relationally, that we can grow spiritually, and that we can reach out together, that we would all be a testimony to the world around us, that we wouldn't just be a church that meets on Sunday morning. That's not what church is about. We, we say this, if you ask my kids, is church people or is it a place? They'll tell you, it's, a, it's people, right? We don't go to church, we are the church. We've said that from the very beginning. Community groups are a way for you to be the church, to have an amazing, enormous kingdom impact by living with other believers and inviting the rest of the world into you, into your community, to not only hear the gospel, gospel but to see it lived out.
Um, one of the things that we get to do as a church that is extremely special is when we have uh, uh, baptism. And what better way to talk about a generous testimony than to have a baptism? So I'm going to invite Tennyson Dean and Jason Dean on up. Tennyson uh, came to me just after Christmas, and he said, uh, I've put my trust in Jesus, and I want to be baptized. And he was so excited. I remember that Sunday. It was about 20 degrees outside, and I said, well, you know, Tennyson, we, uh, everybody say hi to Tennyson. Give him a hand. Say hi, Tennyson. I said, you know, Tennyson, we, we baptize in the river, and right now it's about 20 degrees outside, so I bet we could go break the ice up and, and do it. And he's like, let's go. Uh, he did not bat an eye. He was ready to go. This young man is on fire for God. And like, like we said earlier, we were supposed to have our baptisms uh, down at the river again today, but the weather wasn't permitting. And uh, uh, we were gracious enough to have another church that allowed us to borrow this little baptistry right here because if Tennyson had to wait any longer, I think he's going to explode. This young man is ready to give his testimony for Jesus Christ. So Tennyson, why don't you let your dad and I help you get, get in there? Is it nice and warm? Yeah. All right, have a seat there, buddy. Oh, he disappeared. <laughs> so, Tennyson, I'm going to ask you, are you trusting Christ and Christ alone as your Savior? Yes, sir. Okay, then, Tennyson, based on your profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in new life. Let me just say, you may be here this morning, uh, and as you listened, you realized, you know what? Um, I can't say that, that I'm trusting in Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. And I want to encourage you that, that there is nothing more simple than just saying, Jesus, I know that you died for my sins, and that you rose from the dead, and that by trusting in you, I can be saved. And I want to put my trust in you and begin a relationship with God. I'm going to ask everyone to, to bow their heads right now. Um, and if you're here this morning and you say that, that that is you, that you want to begin a relationship with God by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, um, would you just pray with me and just tell God what you're doing? Just repeat these words. But I want to be absolutely clear. It's not these words that save you. It is your faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. Pray with me. Just say, dear God, I know that I have sinned. But I know that you loved me so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And then on the third day, he was raised from the dead, proving that he overcame sin and death. And right now, today, I'm trusting Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for this beautiful gift. Amen.